As it turns out, you need more than a band-aid to fix the problem of sin. Welcome, friends, to Behind the Text, a podcast from First Covenant Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm glad you've joined us as we continue to talk about atonement. This week, we focus on the relationship between blood and atonement. For most of my life, I was reluctant to give blood. While I don't enjoy the sight of my own blood, it really comes down to the giant needle that goes into your arm. I was not especially excited for that process. My wife, on the other hand, had been encouraging me for years to go with her to give blood. So, for our 15th anniversary, I set up an appointment for a date to the blood bank. How romantic. Since that time, I have continued to go and give blood on a regular schedule. I still don't like the needle, but I like life, and blood is life. We are working through the idea of atonement in these latest episodes. When last we met, we said that atonement is a relational fix, at one mint, of a relationship. The fix is typically between two entities, humans, for instance, or it can even be a relationship to a place, such as the Holy of Holies. In the instances we are looking at, the breach is between humans and God. Now, the breach between humans and God has not been caused by God. Since that is true, it leaves only one guilty party to blame. Can you guess who it is? The breach is caused by sin. God can't sin. Humans do it with regularity. Interestingly, and intriguingly to our modern society, atonement for sin is achieved through blood. Why blood? That seems grotesque. Hasn't modern science found a way to extract the sinful cells from our bodies? Let's look at a passage from the story of Noah, after he lands on dry ground and is being given instructions by God on how to live in this new world. From Genesis 9, 4-6. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from every human being, too, I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God created mankind. Let's catch a few basics here. First, if it is good and it is on earth, it was created by God. Second, if it is human, it bears God's image. Third, the fact that God had to give this instruction means humans have the capacity, and we'll say the will as well, to misuse what God owns, what is good and in some way fracture or break God's possession. That fracturing includes humans. The blood of the animal or human is literally the life of the animal. No blood, no life. Let's take a look at another important verse about blood, this time from Leviticus 17, verses 10 and 11. I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood, and I will cut them off from the people. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Again, we see that blood matters, which seems an understatement. I will set my face against any who eat the blood is pretty strong language. This, it appears, matters greatly to God. God has given the blood, and in doing so has given life. But further, God has also given a way to get back to life when we have misused what God has given. Blood 
is life. The message is clear. We may at this point think that this would make sense if we had killed someone, life for life and all that, but if I lie to my sister, is that really something that causes such a relational breach with God that it needs lifeblood to repair the relationship? Is atonement really that costly? In his book, The Cross of Christ, John Stott lays the groundwork for understanding what is at stake with sin. He writes, Every sin is a breach of what Jesus called the first and greatest commandment, not just by failing to love God with all our being, but by actively refusing to acknowledge and obey him as our creator and Lord. Worse still, we have dared to proclaim our self-dependence, our autonomy, which is to claim the position occupied by God alone. Sin is not a regrettable lapse from conventional standards. Its essence is hostility to God, issuing an active rebellion against him. Sin is hostility towards God, Stott tells us. Sin is misusing all the good things Genesis 9 stated earlier, good things that belong to God, given as gifts for right use by us, his creation. Here's an example to help you get to grips on what Stott is saying. Imagine you live under the rule of a king, a kind and benevolent king. That king sets up good and useful boundaries that, when followed, make life for you and all others in the kingdom work right. The rules set out by the king, while not always understood by everyone, seem true and right. But let's say that one day you get into the throne room, remove the king from the throne, and lock him in a small, lower room. You don't change many rules, but you do set yourself up as king, even if for a day. That would be treason. That is sin. Now, you are a moral, upstanding citizen, so I'm sure this seems far-fetched. Let's say that instead of locking up the king, or worse, killing him, you simply disregard the boundaries and rules set up by the king. Now, let's say the king calls you into his throne room and asks you about your disregard for his rules that apply to all. Why have you disregarded my boundaries and rules? The king asks. I have set them up for your best interest. They reflect my character, but also allow you to thrive. You stand before the king with no good answer. Haven't you dethroned the king in either example? Sure, you didn't physically kill or lock up the king in the second example, but you dethroned him anyway by saying you knew better than he did. You committed treason in heart and action. The consequence is ultimately the same. You dethroned the king. It is a grave thing to misuse God's good creation. It is a grave thing to dismiss the creator's instructions for how to use his beloved creation. And it is grave to think that doing those things is not all that bad because God is kind and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Yes, he is. But there are also consequences to breaking the relationship with God. Grave consequences. Something so grave needs the right repair. Atonement and blood go together. Our sin brings death. Blood is life. A band-aid can't fix the problem of sin. We need something, someone, much greater to do that.
Thanks for listening. If you benefited from this podcast, I guarantee one of your friends will too. Share this podcast via text, social media, email, CD, or 8-track. If you want to suggest a future podcast theme, go to firstcovenantlincoln.org media and use the form to submit your questions and ideas. I'm Pastor Evan, and I'm thankful you took this journey with me. Let's do it again soon.